You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Yeah, tremendous deal flow. Uh, you know, my hair's blowing in the wind of the deals being thrown at me right now. It, it's absolutely amazing. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. I'm speaking today with the editor of the Gold Newsletter, goldnewsletter.com, Brian London. He's also the host of the New Orleans Investment Conference. Brian has a multi-decade history of commentating in the gold and junior gold stock sector. With that being said, Brian, welcome back onto the program. Thanks for joining me for an update. Let's start with the gold price. So we've been looking at the gold price. In the last nine weeks or so, it's been trading in a range between 1680 and 1755. It looks like it's consolidating and forming a base for a future move. What's your commentary here? Yeah, I think that's exactly it, forming a base for a future move. And, you know, as we speak, you and I, I'm a, busily writing our July issue of Gold Newsletter. Um, and in some of our other recent publications, our free Golden Opportunities Service, uh, for example, I've been telling people that, well, go back a few weeks, I've been telling people we're going to have a soft patch in the metals prices and gold and silver for a few weeks. And then, you know, uh, we'd probably get back on track as the news from the pandemic and the economy started coming back in again. And it looks, frankly, frankly like that's what's happening right now. The uh, gold's been in a consolidation pattern, kind of a flag pattern technically, since uh, I guess well mid-April or so. From mid-March to mid-April, it just made a furious run higher. And the last couple of months has been consolidating those gains, digesting them, et cetera. It kind of looks like that's ending right now. I mean, not just the fact that as we talk, gold's been up for two sessions fairly strongly, but also uh, you look at the Bollinger Bands from a technical standpoint and they're pinching, compressing, indicating a breakout one way or another. And in a gold, uh, gold bull market environment like we're in for gold, that's usually a breakout to the upside. So that looks like we're either in a breakout to the upside right now or it's really imminent. Uh, I was going to say seasonality and, and the fundamentals, I think, are also arguing for a, for a breakout now or very soon. If it breaks down, do you have a downside target where you see key support? Well, I prefer not to think about that. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I think that 1700, you know, we, during in this consolidation pattern, 1700 wasn't really a floor, but we didn't get much below that. We kind of oscillated around that level for a while. Um, you know, I, I don't think we would get much lower than 1650. There's just so much fundamental uh, support for gold right now with all of this uh, monetary stimulus that uh, I, I think any any dip into the mid 1600s is going to bring in a lot of buying from Asia uh, and in other areas that are more, you know, bargain hunting oriented. Recently, I've listened to commentators on either side of an idea. Uh, one of the side is says that the U.S. dollar will continue to rise with gold. The other camp says that we'll see a steady decline in the U.S. dollar as gold climbs. What's your commentary here? Uh, that gold climbs in both scenarios. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I look at that and uh, I enjoy the arguments on, on financial Twitter between the two camps and the like. But I think both arguments have a merit to them. I, I could see either scenario playing out. And I think when you try to fine tune these things, well, it's natural if you're a trader. But if you're an investor, 
you just look at the future and you look at the 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 big forks in the road that that can go either way. You know, economic recovery. Well, that'll be inflationary. That'll help gold because of all this monetary liquidity. You have uh, economic slowdown. Well, that's going to prompt the Fed to to um, boost their efforts even more so and fiscal stimulus as well. All of the big potential scenarios going forward are bullish for gold. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to have an easy climb up by any means. You know, we're not going to have that. We're going to have setbacks. The, the purpose of a bull market is to, to get you to check your premises and try to shake you out. But, uh, but long term, there's, there's a compelling, uh, virtually irrefutable argument for higher gold prices, no matter what happens to the dollar no matter what happens to all the other asset classes. You know, both of those big scenarios I was talking about are actually bullish for equities in this scenario. And in any environment where everything is being driven by central bank liquidity and fiscal stimulus efforts, all correlations go to one. Everything seems to benefit. But if you're looking down the road for, um, you know, an eventual devaluation of, of currencies, of of fiat currencies, which is seemingly inevitable, then you want to own gold as insurance. If you're looking for more torque and you're looking for investments, well, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to beat anything like the junior mining stocks in an environment where gold and silver prices are rising so strongly. If in 18 months from now, as some commentators like Martin Armstrong have said, we could see 40,000 uh, Dow instead of 25,000 Dow, could gold still be at 2500 at that point would would that be a, a good expectation yeah yeah i don't I, you know there are a lot of ratios there in the dow to gold ratio i think is you know showing that the gold gold is still very undervalued in relation to stocks but again in this kind of environment where everything's being driven by such liquidity i don't know that those ratios have a lot of value anymore uh but yeah i think that that uh you know this environment is bullish for all financial assets, it's, and it's certainly bullish for uh, for the precious metals, at least in the near term. I mean, you can still have some significant downturns uh, in the equities market because it's so overvalued by every uh, standard measure right now. But by the same token, the metals are, are still undervalued. So, you know, there's obviously I have a preference for the uh, for the metals and the derivative investments like the, the uh, mining stocks. Brian, can you talk about what type of deal flow you're seeing come across your desk, the, what you're being offered and what does this indicate about where we are in the cycle? Yeah, tremendous deal flow. Uh, you know, my hair is blowing in the wind of the deals being thrown out. <laughs> right now. It, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and obviously, this is a kind of environment where uh, junior mining companies are rushing to market to raise money, uh, getting while the getting's good, as it were. Uh, that protects probably, you know, if good financing now protects salaries for the next couple of years. Uh, and, and it's smart and they can get some work done. And a lot of work is getting done right now. So we're getting good news flow. Um, it, it is, you know, you have to worry about it getting overheated. I'm thinking twice about financings when, you know, a month and a half or so ago, I was grabbing everything that was being thrown at me. Uh, they're getting more expensive. Uh, I'm trying to get more selective on them. And, um, you know, it's, it, after decades in this market, you start to worry when everybody's getting so excited and you 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 start to think about the other problems, the other issues, which are good ones to have for a change after many years. But the other issues of cash management, when to take profits off the table, how to deploy 
you know, from big winners into early stage companies. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see that now. We're starting to see money refunneled into the market, and that's lifting everything. But um, investors just need to be careful uh, in times like this. And the, the really, really easy money has been made. I think there's lots more to be made, but we start. We have to start being a bit more selective, I think. Even on the early stage exploration companies, because uh, some uh, private placements that have been proposed to me, as I've been observing a lot of these even earlier stage exploration plays, after the financing, a lot of them will triple even before they're anywhere near, you know, bringing forth the drill results. And if it comes with warrants, you know, your potential risk is a lot lower because you could potentially get back your initial capital and more with the warrants even before yeah. the drill results come out? It depends on the deal, obviously. You know, uh, a couple of months ago or a few months ago or even further back, these early stage exploration companies were ones that had really great prospects, um, but, you know, money wasn't out there. So they were, they were these, these new financings were uh, at very low levels. Now, uh, companies that have that same quality of assets for financing at very much higher levels. So, the, the early stage juniors don't have typically the kinds of projects uh, that the, you know, a, a company at the same stage would have been a few months ago. And you have to start looking at things like uh, if you get into financing now, that's the hot financing and everybody's getting into it because everybody's speculating right now and trying to get the, the triples and the quadruples Well, everybody's going to, you know, dope these the starting gate for the liquidity of those placements is going to happen for everybody just about at the same time. So you have to worry about what's going to happen for months from now um, and, you know, and how to mitigate that risk. You know, they can fly pretty high in the meantime, but when all that stock comes into the market and some of these speculators and traders start to clip their holdings for, um, for the warrants exposure, you're typically going to have a downturn unless there's good news flow at that time. So one of the things you can do is uh, take perhaps a third or a half of what you were going to put into financing and buy that stock in the in the open market. Um, and then as it's flying high in the meantime, before that that stock comes free, then you can sell and mitigate the risk a bit um, or take advantage of those prices. So um, there, there are some tricks of the trade, as it were that you can play with there. But but that's another thing you have to worry about is a lot of these widely held placements. Um, when they come free, everybody's going to be, or not everybody, but a lot of the people are going to be rushing for the, uh, for the doors, exit doors at the same time. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie-backed gold exploration company in mining-friendly Namibia. Osino's district-scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure, and with its current treasury, it can self-fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least 20 2022. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker O-S-I-I-F and in Toronto under the ticker O-S-I. To learn more, go to OsinoResources.com. That's OsinoResources.com. What percentage of your new purchases, additions to your portfolio, are being bought in the open market versus private placements? Uh, well, I'm a bit limited here than most people. 
I uh, <clears throat> I don't front run my newsletter. Um, I'm kind of old school in that. So if I like a company enough to buy it in the open market, uh, then I should be recommending it in the newsletter. So I don't until I recommend it in uh, the standard issue of Gold Newsletter. Not the uh, the alert service is a different thing. Uh, and uh, but but still, you know, the alert usually comes out before the newsletter. So I have to wait until after the regular issue of the newsletter comes out. Uh, and everybody's had a chance for a few days to buy the stock before I can buy it in the open market. Um, I think I'm maybe the last newsletter out there that, that adheres to that policy. Mm-hmm. But that said, and as, as a result of that, most of my investing occurs through private placements, which I can buy or allow myself to buy before uh, stock is recommended. In in most cases, um, the companies I invest in is on private placements are never recommended in gold newsletter, uh, just because I speculate in some things I wouldn't recommend to other people. But the idea being that in a placement, I'm, I'm not front running anybody because that doesn't affect the market price of the stock. Not that I'm buying wood in any effect, you know, but, uh, but still, um, again, I'm kind of old school in that respect. Feedback from subs. What what have your subscribers? What are you feeling in in terms of sentiment and specifics that your subscribers are asking you? Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's not absolutely overheated. We're getting people who are very uh, grateful that they're getting doubles and triples, et cetera, at this point in time. We we kind of went out in uh, early March, uh, and if not an absolute buy recommendation, told people that. You know, you can do what you want to do, but I'm buying hand over fist, which I was. Um, and because um, it was really a scary time. But uh, a lot of people waited until, you know, well into April to, to start recommending again. But I had seen this movie before, you know, to post 2008 liquidity crisis. Um, it, it was pretty obvious to me what was going on. So we started buying in, and recommending some stocks at that those levels. Uh, and so a lot of our readers are very grateful for that and made a lot of money early on. But, you know, I, I go back to like the uh, early 90s bull market when I had people calling me up saying they were buying on margin with credit card debt. And, uh, and I was just <laughs> aghast at <laughs> telling them, sell, 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 get out, get out, don't do that. But we haven't reached those levels of frenzy yet. And and I do think we're at least a couple of years from those levels. Uh, that said, you know, it's going to be ebbs and flows along the way. Right now, we're building up to, uh, you know, another high tide, as it were, um, as far as the speculation in the juniors. For the metals themselves, I think we're, we're building up to uh, another run higher, at, you know, as I indicated at some point over the next week, two weeks, something like that especially as we get into July and, and some of these stimulus efforts are renewed. Many resource conferences have gone virtual, even ones that are planned out even into the fall. Yours occurs in the fall, so is the New Orleans conference virtual this year, or are you going to do it in person? Well, stay tuned for a uh, big announcement shortly. We're working through our options right now, Bill. Uh, we're working with the hotel. We're working with virtual platforms. We will be virtual, I think, obviously, to some extent. Everybody has to at this point. Uh, but we're still bouncing around the ideas and the concepts. One thing I can uh, assure people of at this point, and they can rest easy knowing that if we do go virtual, we are going to have a lot of the unique flair and ambiance that you know, only the New Orleans Conference can deliver, and especially value. Uh, we're very big on just, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm of the people that I market to for our conference. We are one and the same. We think the same way. We, we like the same things. Uh, and I have a good handle, I think, on what is real value for that audience, uh, which I think is it's an audience you share as well. Um, so we're focused on delivering more value uh, through whatever means and platforms than anybody else out there in finding ways to continue to distinguish and um, ourselves from everyone else out there. Uh, and uh, that's not to say that there aren't an awful lot of great conferences and events, virtual or live, out there that we also um, uh, or go to, attend, et cetera, because they do deliver good value. But we've always been a bit different than everybody else. Uh, and that primary difference, I think, is uh, is value as well as a sense of uh, belonging and camaraderie um, that you just don't get everywhere else. So we're going to make that translate as best we can this year. Going forward, I think every event going forward is going to have some virtual component. I think it just has to. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up questions. Do you think this is going to be par for the course for the resource investment conference industry? Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, and, you know, we get so uh, ingrained in our thinking and ways of doing business. And sometimes we have to be dragged kicking and screaming into the the modern age uh, uh, because everything we've been doing for years has worked well. Uh, but now, you know, life is a way of, of uh, slapping you upside the head with a two by four every now and then and, and forcing you to face realities. And what I tell people uh, and in various other groups and uh, that I'm involved in that had to go virtual, uh, that you need to look at these things not as, um, you know, um, tragedies or, or, or big negatives, but as opportunities to figure out a new way of doing things. And, and I think what you're going to see is uh, at these events that you're going to have a live event and everything that only a live event can deliver uh, in terms of, you know, just the random encounters and, and walking up, meeting people and, and interacting like that. But you're also going to see these events able to dramatically extend their reach into that um, the cyber world, as it were, um, and have people from around the world participate and get value. And, and that extends to uh, both the, um, the attendees who can hear speakers that may not be inclined or able to travel to the live event, but also for the exhibiting companies that now have a way to reach a lot more people, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a different way, but still be able to get their story out to a lot more people. So it's, it's going to be interesting, but I look at it as a real opportunity for the New Orleans conference. The one thing I would say that for sure cannot be replaced is the networking that goes on because when I started going to conferences four or five years ago, whatever it's been, uh, it's the, the business cards you get, the fellow investors you meet to where you can bounce ideas off, screen possible investments with, and that's you can't really vir virtually create that online. That's right. And you know, uh, in a bull market, some of the best opportunities are found at the bar hotel bar and that's difficult to do in a virtual world um so yeah it's 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 going to be interesting and, and it will be interesting when everybody gets back to live events uh and how that's handled but uh yeah i miss 
I, I don't like to travel that much, but I do miss the, uh, the networking at some of these live events. As we bring this conversation to a close, I'd like to get your insights and commentary on the rise of what they've termed the Robin Hood traders, where the younger investors, many millennials, are opening the free app, investing app, Robinhood, uh, using margin and trading. It seems to have created a lot of volatility in the markets. Uh, what's the end game here or the end result of this current trend we're seeing? Well, the same as it's always been. You know, we've been around the block a few times. We've seen it every time. You know, it harkens back to what I was saying in the early 90s in the gold stock market when I had subscribers calling me saying, they were buying on margin using credit card debt, you know, just crazy stuff. There's not a lot of difference. It, the methodology may differ, but the psychosis is exactly the same. Um, and it's just become more efficient. So everything is getting sped up. It's if there is a difference, you know, the 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 famous last words in investing are this time is different. Um, and it really isn't as, as, uh, as far as the psychology goes. But if anything is different now, it's just that everything's been sped up. You know, even from 2008, post-2008, we saw um, five years or so tremendous liquidity by the Federal Reserve. And, um, and now we're seeing that in same amount of liquidity generation in five days, you know, maybe five weeks. But literally, you know, the Fed went to... Uh, full-on unlimited uh, QE in the matter of just a few days after they realized the uh, potential scope of the crisis. So everything is sped up right now. Everything's in, uh, in at warp speed. So uh, that kind of speculation that we're seeing in Robinhood uh, will end in tears. It's just going to be uh, quicker, I think, than what we've seen in the past. And do you think it'll end in more regulation as well? It always seems to, you know, they never give up power and they, they try to uh, protect people from themselves. When in fact, if they remove regulation and allow people to get their fingers burnt early and often, uh, then the markets would self-regulate to a much uh, better uh, extent. Um, but yeah, it will. It will. It's, it's going to make investing probably harder than, than easier eventually. Brian's website is goldnewsletter.com. Go check that out for Brian's subscription service covering the junior gold stocks. There's also a link at the top right of that website, and you can find more information about the New Orleans conference that Brian spoke about on today's show. As always, Brian, I appreciate your insights, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Bill. Great talking with you. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. 
I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks, don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can, do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met, you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.